And at the deepest part of that, right, is, is precisely what Steve said from Jesus. Come to me, all you are weary, and I will give you. He said peace, but actually in the scriptures it says rest. Right? Because why? I can't give myself rest. All I do is simply exhaust myself with all the tapes that go on. Welcome to the 9 to 5 podcast, conversations with Christians about lives of faith, integrity, and excellence at work. They are from Christians in Commerce, a ministry supporting and encouraging men and women to be Christ in the workplaces. We hope you enjoy this episode. This episode features Dr. Michael Naughton, Director of the Center for Catholic Studies at the University of St. Thomas in Minnesota. Dr. Naughton was one of our lightning talks during our Coworkers in Christ gathering on October 5th, 2018. Dr. Naughton says to get work right, we have to get leisure right. And so he gives us three habits to foster in our leisure. So let me be, this is a conference to get more concrete. What does rest look like? What are the concrete habits, activities of what we mean by rest? Because here, when we talk about rest or leisure, we're not just simply talking about golf. We're not just simply talking about vegging out. We're not talking about the default system of screens that we constantly default to. We're talking about something different. Because all those things, as good as they are, and there's nothing bad with them, they often don't get to the deeper roots of our humanity. So let me highlight three habits of rest, of leisure, and of actually the <laughs> deepest element of deep receptivity. So the first habit is the habit of solitude and silence. By the way, I, um, uh, if you come to my university, you go to any university, one of the things you'll see, unfortunately, is all these kids walking around with earbuds in there, right? Now, we're a university that no longer has tobacco. I'll bring back tobacco if I can get rid of earbuds, <laughs> right? In fact, I actually think earbuds are more dangerous than tobacco <laughs> as a former smoker at one point in my life. Right? The problem is that a lot of people don't even have external silence because they're constantly having noise kind of thrown in their ears. That's one problem. But here's the deeper problem for all of us. Most of us don't have interior silence. I don't know about you, but I got these tapes going on in my head. They've been going on for years. By the way, I am, inside this head, I am the unappreciated genius at St. Thomas. <laughs> you know? Honest to goodness, if they would just listen to me, and I can get this place in shape, right? I actually walk to work. I'm about two miles away, and when I walk to work, I have these debates with my colleagues who I don't particularly care for. Some of them I don't particularly care for. By the way, I win every debate. You know, I come up with that zinger, right? And, it, and you go on. Now, the tapes are not necessarily bad. The problem with the tapes is they prevent me from hearing what I need to hear. Because all they do is simply confirm the false image that I have of who I am. That's interior silence. And at the deepest part of that, right, is, is precisely what Steve said from Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you. He said peace, but actually in the scriptures it says rest. Right? Because why? I can't give myself rest. All I do is simply exhaust myself with all the tapes that go on. So that's habit number one. Habit number two is the habit of celebration, and in particular the habit of Sabbath, of the Lord's Day. And to be quite frank, we Christians need to look to the Jews on this one. 
because they've protected the Sabbath much better than we have, right? In so many particular ways. And for them, they don't stop working when the work is done because the work is never done. They stop working when the day starts. And I know the people of praise and I know many movements have taken the question of Sabbath very seriously. But here's the challenge for all of us. And, and I'll throw this out, and I expect many of you do this already. Well, we should become our techno-Sabbatarians. I love that phrase. Techno-Sabbatarians. Give your screen a rest. Turn off the phone. Right? Most of us are able to do that. And if you can't do it for an hour, you're addicted. And if you do it for an hour, try it for a morning. If you did it for a morning, see if you can extend it even farther. Right? And yes, if people are trying to contact you, they'll get in touch with you sometime. Right? This, I think, is one of the biggest problems that we're particularly having. And here I would even extend my thesis. Right? If we don't get rest right, we won't get work right. If we don't get Sunday right, we're not going to get the rest of the week right. Actually, I think Sunday is of crucial importance. It is the foundation of this whole project. And the third habit is the habit of fraternity, the habit of going to the margins. As Christians, you can't read the Gospels without dealing with this phenomenon that we have to be somehow connected to the poor. And by the way, Jean Vanier, who started the large communities, says this, the danger for all of us who engage the poor is we tend to engage it on an air of superiority. I will give you what I have for you. But no, he points out, and he does this obviously beautiful with the clientele that he deals with. You have to be with the poor. And when you're with them in terms of that being, they will give you things that will actually fundamentally surprise you. It's always in interesting, right? Jesus gets in trouble with the Pharisees, what? On the Sabbath, why? Because he heals, right? He's with the poor. He's with those on the margins. I think those three habits, these, by the way, habits are not meant to escape the world, but they're meant to do two things. One is when you can participate in these deeper habits of rest, you first of all have the capacity then to receive the world. This, by the way, is probably the biggest problem for most of us. The problem is not for us so much work, although it does have some problems and there's some challenges and the beautiful stories that was talked about. The biggest problem for us is do we have the capacity to receive? Because there we think, no, I need to do it. No, you don't need to do it. You just need to receive it. And then when you can receive the world, you then can see the world. Not as I see it, but as the world is. So let me end this brief time with you with a story. I met Mother Teresa twice in my life, and, um, and it was supposed to have a slip. I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. And uh, once was in Chicago and once was in Calcutta, India. And when I was in Calcutta, I was visiting, I was giving a talk at the Indian Institute of Management. And my host, who was, who was Hindu, knew I was Catholic, and he says, you want to go meet Mother Teresa? I said, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so we get into a cab, we go down to the mother house, we walk in, and there's Mother Teresa. And my Hindu friend, like many of those Hindus, would drop to their knees, and he's trying to kiss Mother Teresa's feet. And Mother Teresa's trying to pick him up, and he's trying to kiss her feet, and there's this is kind of wrestling match going on. Right? Right? And honest to goodness, I kid you not, the only thought I had as I'm watching this was, man, she has big feet. <laughs> Thank God, is she short? 
And boy, is she old. And can't you think of something more profound? I mean, I'm sitting in the front of the icon of holiness. And all I can think are about feet, right? Anyhow, it probably tells you more about me than anything. But, um, but we had about a 20-minute conversation. It was interesting. She was very interested in China. The communists would not allow her to get into China. And when she was canonized uh, a year or so ago, uh, I read a story one time that said, why are you so interested in China? Apparently, she talked to a lot of people about China. And here's what she said. She said, my great desire is to meet anybody who has nobody. I often think, what if I walked into a gathering, a party, an event, and I had that attitude? I hate to say it, that's not my attitude. I'm looking for the interesting person, looking for the influential person. Right? Mother Teresa had that kind of capacity. But when we were leaving her, she looked at us, and she had a particular grin on her face, and she said, I want to give you my business card. Seriously. Right? And I have that, and then she took the business card and she signed it. And I have that business card sitting on my desk. And here's what the business card says. And that's the business card. The fruit of silence is prayer. The fruit of prayer is faith. The fruit of faith is love. The fruit of love is service. And the fruit of service is peace. I know a lot of us can think of Mother Teresa as a nice little nun who did some nice things. The woman had, the woman had operations in over 80 countries, and she visited all of them. She was very, very busy. But she starts her day in silence. And in that authenticity of silence, of this capacity to receive, prayer arises. And in that faith, and in that, in that prayer comes faith. And in that faith comes the capacity to love and serve. And at the deepest part of it, comes a peace that this is where she's supposed to be. And by the way, Mother Teresa had some real, if anybody knows about her life, she had some deep spiritual darkness, a deep spiritual emptiness for a long period of her life. But there, even in that, she had a deep sense that the work that I am to do here, she had a deep sense, that's what I need to do. So thank you very much for your time. If you want to get off on the right foot each morning, you probably want to check out Christians in Commerce Workday emails. They're short and informative, sent to your inbox early in the morning. Wake up to stories and insights about people transforming their workplace. These daily Workday emails inspire and encourage us in living out God's mission, where we spend 60% of our waking hours at work. Sign up today by going to workingforafather.com. All these resources are freely available without any financial charge. If you've benefited, would you join with us by supporting this shared work? To donate, go to bit.ly slash support CIC. That's bit.ly slash support CIC. The second part of this episode features one of our Christ at Work stories, an individual's personal experience that illustrates a life of faith, integrity, and excellence being lived out in the workplace. Today's story comes from Christine Ziegler. My name is Christine, and I work for a company that distributes religious education materials across the United States. And as you may guess, um, the past several years have been very difficult for our company. Uh, the advent of online ordering, think Amazon Books. The advent of eBooks, think your Kindle. Uh, declining church attendance. 
declining religious education for our children. All of those things have had a really significant impact on our business. And in fact, over a 10-year period, our sales dropped almost by 50%. We tried a number of things to help stem the flow. We um, had some employee layoffs. We offered early retirement to a number of our older employees. Um, we did third-party warehousing. We tried everything we could think of, and nothing seemed to work. And to be honest with you, the way I looked at it was that it was inevitable that the company would not be in business by the time I was ready to retire. Um, it was inevitable, and it was hopeless. In early 2016, the um, CEO went and met individually with almost every single employee in the company to discuss the next set of things that we were going to try to do. And uh, as he was talking to me about my future with the company, um, all of a sudden he kind of shook himself and he changed the conversation completely. And he started talking to me about hope. And he quoted this line from Arthur Brooks, Hope is this attitude, it can be done, and I can do it. He saw that I was hopeless, and he called me on it. He gave me a mission to have hope, and to be hope, and to bring hope to my company during the next whatever was going to happen. The last two years have been the hardest two years of my work life. Um, as I was thinking about this sharing, I realized except for two guys in our warehouse and one salesman, every single person in our company has significantly different job responsibilities in 2018 than we did in 2016. As you can imagine, when that's happening on a corporate scale, there's a lot of, a lot of emotional churn and there's a lot of, I can't do this. The company can't do this. We're not going to make it. But the truth of the matter is, we can. It can be done, and we can do it. One of the significant things that we changed uh, was our approach to our customers and prospective customers. So um, in the past, we had always had a customer call in, place an order, and we gave them the best possible interaction we could give them. But we decided that that wasn't enough. We needed to be more proactive in our interactions with customers and potential customers. So we started calling people on a regular basis, trying to build relationships, trying to get to know our customers, and to find out, I mean, we know they're putting on relig religious education for their children, but what does that look like? What, like, what do you in small town Montana what are your needs? What do you want? What are your hopes and your dreams for your children? Um, and so over time, we figured out some things that we knew our customers wanted, and we were able to provide some, some materials that actually would help them meet their goals. Every day at 9 o'clock, we turn off the phones for a half hour, and everyone from the president to the guy in receiving comes together, and we pray together for a half hour. Um, during this time, we pray, we praise the Lord, we pray to the Lord, we pray for each other, we beg the Lord to bless our work, we pray for our customers, 
We pray for our customers' work. Uh, in our calls, we find out a lot of needs that our customers have in their parishes, so we pray for all of those as well. And over the course of time, we have really become more of one mind and one heart, particularly in terms of what our corporate mission is. So we know what the Lord has given us to do, and we pray and work toward that. Um, Another thing I think that has come out of our prayer together is that I think we have really moved from a corporate attitude of despair to a corporate attitude of hope. Um, it's really different now when you go to business meetings uh, within the company. There's just a real different spirit, and it's a spirit of hope and a spirit of faith. And, you know, that would have been enough. If that's all the Lord had done for us, that would be terrific. Because you know what? Working for a company where there's hope is a heck of a lot better than working for a company where there's despair. But the Lord is so good to us. This year, it's October 5th, we've already surpassed by 20% our 2017 sales. And um, it's the mercy of the Lord. So if I'm going to give you a takeaway, I think it would be this. Hope is not an emotion, it's a choice, and it takes a lot of work, but it is really worth it. Have hope, my friends. Thanks for listening to this podcast. You'll want to check out our website at workingforourfather.com. It's constantly being updated with new content to support you and others in living your faith at work.